Learn the most empowering hiring techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with your host, Rick Gerard. Let's talk about why your company is not stacked with A players. Now, it's not because you can't afford them. At its root, the reason is narrowed down to one thing, your foundation. We tend to think of hiring as an activity rather than an essential function, like product or finance or even your pitch deck. So much time is invested into these activities. Yet hiring is the most critical component of building a successful business. In fact, most investors' decisions are heavily influenced by the people who are on board. Solidifying your foundation for hiring requires the same amount of care and work as do the other components of your company. It cannot be outsourced. Hiring needs to be owned by leadership, documented, and taught to everyone within the organization. Because foundation is what attracts high performers to want to join your company, not just the paycheck. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and executives win-win the strongest hires by sharing insights from top-performing rebel entrepreneurs, game changers, and industry leaders like our guest today, Mr. Steve Newcomb. Now, Stephen is a product and engineering-led serial entrepreneur who has co-founded four successful venture-backed mission-driven startups. He's best known for co-founding PowerSet, which is now Microsoft Bing, and scaling its engineering team, culture, and operations. Steve is also the author of some of the most fundamental essays on hiring culture and scaling engineering teams, including the original cult creation and in defense of introverts, which makes Steve the perfect expert for today's topic. Steve, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Thanks for having me, Rick. We're going to discuss a couple things. Steve, thanks so much for being on the show. I'm really excited to have you because I've probably quoted probably seven or eight pieces of cult creation throughout my on this show a dozen times or more. And actually, that was one of the articles that influenced my wanting to get better at recruiting quite a few years ago in my career. I'm excited to have you on. Today, we're going to discuss building a strong hiring foundation and then how to execute a outstanding interview. Sound like a plan? Sure. Let's start out with foundation because you've got a lot of really good concepts on here. Let's talk a little bit about that. Tell me what's so important about having a strong foundation. Yeah, I think that one of the things that, you know, when I hear uh, so many people are thinking about how to hire, they're always talking tactics and how to do this hiring method or that hiring method or use this procedure or that procedure and optimizing flow in an interview. Um, and one of the things that allowed us to build such huge teams at PowerSet and my other companies um, was having a good hiring process and all of that sort of things. But we, what we really focused on was our foundational elements. Um, it's kind of like do the big things right and everything else becomes easier. And we had a map of 10 things that we wanted to do really, really well. And it actually ended up allowing each of my companies to create its own weather system that attracted great engineers and great technical talent to the company. Um, and these are like 10 foundational uh, principles that I live by in anything that I'm building. Um, and you know, the, the first foundational principle starts and is often one of the hardest ones, and that is money. Um, make sure that you are funded by a tier one venture capital firm, Andreessen Horowitz, Sequoia, Lightspeed, um, 
and your life will get easier uh, fundamentally. And a lot of people sort of like balk at this one because they're like, hey, I'm a brand new entrepreneur. How do I get money from those guys? It's, it's really hard to get money from those. Um, and a lot of people, like when they looked at PowerSet or they looked at the other companies, they would hear maybe rumors that I raised $20 million in a week um, and that everything went perfectly fast and Pierre Thiel just cut a check for a million dollars out of the blue. But in reality, I spent like a year getting all of that lined up and then maybe two, three weeks of meetings where we talk seriously about the deal. Um, and I did that in each and every one of my companies, regardless of where you're from, regardless of who you are. If you have a great idea, those VCs do want to hear from you. And most of them have seed funds. So you can get into Greylock seed fund. You can get into Sequoias, to Lightspeeds, to Andreessen's. And if you are backed by a name that's like that, that's incredibly meaningful for people looking for a job because they want stability, they want safety, they want to know that somebody that has thought about this deeply has blessed it in some great way. They also want to know that you're setting them up to win, right? And by going for a tier one VC, doesn't that pretty much set your company up to win? It helps a lot. Um, my first startup, um, I did not go with tier one VCs and every company I did thereafter, I did. And boy, oh boy, is there a gigantic difference when you get a tier one VC. If you get Andreessen Horowitz, you get the machine of Andreessen Horowitz behind you. They have a recruiting team that helps you, an operations team that helps you, a go-to-market team that helps you. Um, it is an immense get if you get one of those. So I would rather spend a year prepping my startup and getting ready to nail one of those tier one VCs than jumping the gun and getting done early and just coding and, and getting, getting things started before you're actually ready to go and get the foundation well laid. Um, so that's, that's, that's number one. Um, number two is, is mission. Um, you need a company with a mission. Uh, I think it's an incredibly important thing. Each one of my companies that I did, we set out to create a mission. Uh, Loudfire was my first startup. We set out to create the first email on a Nokia phone and we got by, bought, we did it and we got bought by Nokia. Um, uh, my, my second company, I worked at the at SRI, the Stanford Research Institute, and we set out to solve voice recognition. And we did that. And that that now is the underlying tech behind all of the voice that we use today. My third company was PowerSet, which became one of the world's largest search engines in the world. Um, and my fourth company, Famous, rewrote uh, functionally uh, Adobe Photoshop in the browser. So each one of these was something that was a very clear, we are doing this and it matters because it's going to affect billions of people in an incredibly positive way. And you want to create a bus that people want to get on and be part of and that they're excited to be a part of that movement. The, the third one, and, and I talked to a lot of founders about this, a lot of founders, and you've talked to a bunch of them on your podcast, uh, they don't like recruiting. They're like, uh, I want to go code or I want to work on the product or I want to do the thing that I like to do. Being a great recruiter um, is essential to making your life easier and, and creating a strong foundation. I am, I am naturally a pretty severe introvert um, and uh, grew up pretty socially awkward. But I just read book after book after book about uh, how to increase my emotional uh, EQ um, and how to talk to people, how to have difficult conversations, how to have conversations and read the room. Um, until I got really, really, really good at uh, becoming uh, a recruiter for my own bus that I was trying to get people onto. Number four, uh, have a product that actually is a novel breakthrough. Um, as I, you know, I mentioned my four previous companies that I built. 
I can't say enough about how important it is that your product is something that is a novel invention. It's not that you cobble together a bunch of things that already exist in a new flavor of it. Um, the more your company can be a novel, a new take, something that's fresh, something that came out of nowhere that other people didn't see, um, the more you're going to attract people to it because it's that interesting bus that people want to get on. Number five, um, a product that's going to touch billions of people. Each of the things I just mentioned right now, the tech that I worked on, the products that I worked on, they still exist and they affect billions of people. Um, and when you are working for a company that you know that you are actually affecting planet Earth and the humans that are on it, that, that, that sort of bleeds into the mission a little bit. But the more, uh, uh, the, the larger your audience can be that you can create a positive effect on, the more people are going to want to be part of that. Before we go on to six or 10, you had mentioned the founder getting really good at recruiting, being comfortable with it. I think I mentioned in the beginning that it's not really anything that you should be trying to outsource right off the bat. Not at all. You can outsource it when your company gets to a certain size, but the fact is, is that people are joining the company because of you. Yeah. Um, and and we're, we're going to talk about that in, in a whole lot of detail today, because when when doing the recruiting, when scaling up a company... You have to be the leader. You have to be. Uh, I, I've noticed that a lot of uh, people see the CEO or the founder or one of the key execs as being the last interview in a process. And I've always made myself the first interview in the process. And that shows respect to the candidate. And it does a whole bunch of things. And we'll, we'll, we can get into that into like endless detail of why I always go first when I'm meeting a candidate. You also mentioned this concept of being a super A. Let's kind of talk a little bit about that. What is a super A and why should a founder really strive to be a super A? One of the um, fundamental equations that I use, and, and this is, goes in my principles uh, sort of uh, list, is that uh, A players like to hire other A players. B players like to hire C players. This is one of the fundamental equations I wrote back in the original cult creation essay that exploded and got like bazillions of views. Um, and it's an incredibly valuable equation. Uh, B players tend to, if you let them interview candidates and you have a B player on your team, they tend to want to hire C players so that they look good. But A players only want to work with other A players. It is a fundamental sort of truism that I've learned about in, in building teams. And within that category of A players, um, there's really three types. There's an A player that is just a rock solid, let's take engineering, for example, a rock solid engineer that gets their work done. Then there's um, uh, a super productive A. And these are those engineers that, you know, they can do the work of 10 people and they just exist. Um, I know plenty of engineers that, that for some reason they can do the work of many, many engineers because they are just that level of A. And then there's what I call super A recruiters. And that is someone who is, not only an A-level engineer, not only are they 10 times as productive as other people, but they have a following. Those are the ones that I really, really, really dig into when I try to build my teams. And, you know, I, and you know, and we've talked about it before, I talk higher, slower, and fire, slower, -er -er. Um, and one of the points about this is that if you focus on getting your first few employees to be those super A's, that are all three types of A's bundled up into one person. You, but you take six months to hire those people. You take a year to find those people. You go after those people relentlessly as one of your first employees. And if you get that person on board, 
then you're suddenly supercharged in your hiring process because then you can begin hiring very, very quickly because you can trust their judgment and the people who follow them. For example, at PowerSet, I was the VP of engineering for the first year of the company because I was after this guy, Chad Walters, to be my VP of engineering. And I was like, I want him to be the VP of engineering. And I uh, interviewed him countless times. I talked to his family. I made sure that everything was right. And I was patient in getting the exact right person. And once we got him on board, we grew, we doubled in size in like a couple of months just because he was there. And we replicated that with other people in the company as well. Uh, we hired Tom Preston Werner in my company as an engineer, and he brought, brought a whole gaggle of people with him. And for those, those who don't know who he is, he is now, he left PowerSet and he founded GitHub. So if you get these types of super A's in your company, you can just say, hey, who are your 10 closest engineering friends who you think are rock stars? And you can go through a very lightweight, very quick interviewing process with those people because you trust your super A, which maybe took you six months to get. And so it's this higher slow to get your super A's allows you to end up being able to hire much, much faster later on. And I see so many startups just hiring people because they're shocked they can hire anybody, you know, and they're just like, I just need to get bodies in here. That's the challenging part. They always think, oh, God, I just need somebody to fill the seat. The work's not getting done. They start to panic, right? Then you make a decision that's based on your need as opposed to what the business needs, which is really the business needs an A player to be successful. And it's so much smarter to scale down and go slow in the beginning, You know, have a very small team while you're trying to hit product market fit. Um, you know, Instagram, uh, one of the oddest features of my life is I was actually their landlord uh, and they rented my extra office space and there was really four guys sitting around facing each other in in four desks and that's all instagram was until they were like millions upon millions of users but every one of those engineers was a super a and that is something that i try to replicate in every company that i create is get my super a's in place and 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 just focus on nailing that little bit because if you get that then everything else just, just starts to happen a little bit easier and the ball starts rolling down the hill for you. So is that more important to you than product when you first get started? I think that you have to have the foundational elements of your product being that it, that it, it is a mission, it affects billions of people. The next fund, fund foundational piece is that it's technology that engineers would enjoy working on. Those things need to be in place to really attract people. And then you need to have team. So if I have a killer founder that people want to follow, that's a team plus. If I have a killer VP of Eng that is a super A, that's a huge plus. If I have A's, nothing but A's on my team, other engineers know that. We, we had engineers interviewing at Famous and at PowerSet that they would get partially through the way the interviewing process and they would say, hey, I know I'm a B player. I can't work here. I'm just going to exit the process because I'm not as good as you guys. I can see it already. And then when we had A players who were going through the process, they would just get, you know, they were like foaming at the mouth to work at the company because they're just like, oh, my God, there's nothing but A players here. It's so powerful, too. It's such a powerful recruiting tool. Yeah. And we used like good recruiting processes to basically show the candidate we are nothing but A players here. And the whole entire process, we had a we had a mantra of those treat everyone like gold. And in that process, the entire interview process was crafted 
to basically say, we're an A player, are you? Because if you are, then we want you to join us. But if you're not, just please bow out of the process. And that's so powerful. You're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard. And for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Hey, check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find additional content and resources on how you can find your copy of Healing Career Wounds, be your guide to landing the strongest talent. Our guest today is Steve Newcomb, and Steve is sharing with us some of his fundamentals right now on how you can build the strongest organization within that you possibly can. So on the foundational components, did we leave any out yet, Steve? Yeah, so we had, so money, mission, well-known founder or founder worth following. Uh, product with a novel breakthrough, product that touches billions of people, product that is interesting to A-level engineers. You know, at Famous, we were building a 3D rendering engine in JavaScript. That has a lot of JavaScript engineers drooling right off the bat. That's just fun. Team, if you can get your super A's in place as, in, in, as a VP of Eng, that's a huge, huge win. And at first, I would only call them head of engineering. But imagine the difference of you're interviewing the head of engineering and it's a total like somebody that you just you know their name they're a person in the industry you've been following them forever and now you might get to work for them versus a smart kid it's a difference uh because when people join a company again safety is a major issue and it is it it makes you feel good it makes you feel safe it makes you feel like you're going to be taken care of if the leader of engineering has been there and done it before team other a players in the team is number 9 and then, um, or no, I, I missed one, so they're out of order now. But the last two is good macro. Uh, and, I, and I stress this over and over and over again. I always, try to be, I always try to create a company that is number one in my space. I want to be the winner outright. When, when PowerSet was trying to take on Google and create a new search engine in 2005, there were 50 other search engines at the time. It was a wave of search engines that came along. We got the most funding. We got the funding from the biggest VCs. We had the biggest and most fundamentally important people in the industry working in our company, and we won because of it. All the other 49 search engines you've never heard of. They don't, they don't exist. The, the, and the thing we built still exists today and has billions of people using it. So if, if you're going to go into a space as a founder, you want to be, if you are number one and you can prove it, you can say, here's my numbers we own 65% of the market already. That's a huge, huge uh, win uh, to go to get started with. And the last one um, is culture. Um, I, I've written so many essays in in defense of introverts, you know, making sure that you have a transparent culture. Um, uh, when I would interview with candidates, I would be like, do you know, do you want to know my salary? Do you want to know my equity? what do you want to know about me? Do you want to know what's in my checking account right now? And I would, I would let them ask me any question they wanted. Oddly, the most common question was, when was the last time you cried? I was like, every night at 4 a.m. <laughs> um, so those are the 10. If everybody's taking notes, they were a little bit out of order, but those are the 10. And whenever I'm having difficulty hiring, I go back to my list of 10. And I'd rather work on that list of 10 than beat my head up against the wall trying fancy recruiting tactics. Because if I'm having trouble, it's one of those things is wrong. Well, let's talk a little bit about the interview, because I think this is where a lot of us probably fail. So you have a really unique approach to how you conduct an interview. So I come in to interview for you or with you. How does it how does it run? So um, 
being an introvert and having come from a place where I started as a socially awkward person, I struggled in interviews. Um, I, I know so many people that they are their player B when they go in to do an interview. They're not themselves. And nowadays, I've been on camera so much, I've been on stage so much, I, I am actually the spaz that I am all the time. Um, and I feel comfortable with that. But so many people go into an interview and their brain turns into spaghetti mush. And uh, I, I passionately feel for these people because some of the most brilliant people in the world can be socially awkward or they have, you know, they're, 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 when they get into an interview, they just, they just cannot think the way that they normally do. And so we got together and we said, how can we create a process that puts them in a state of comfort and changes the power dynamic uh, in, in an interview. It's such a, it's a horrifying power dynamic. You're, you're staring at the person across from you saying, this person holds my future in their hands. They can, they can say yes to me or they can say no. And it actually has a very real and very powerful impact on my life. And I get 30 minutes to impress this person. Um, so number one, we started by, if a person made it to an interview, they were already really good. Um, we knew them through one of our super A's or one of our A's. We knew them from somewhere and they were a little bit validated already. So what we would do is flip it and do a reverse interview and give the interviewee the power and take it from me, the interviewer. So two things, I would be their first touch. And their first touch was they got to interview me and I had to earn my job. And this is a fascinating process because it, it, it suddenly they are they understand for the next 30 minutes to an hour, however long they want to interview me. They own the power and they are not being interviewed at all. It's just me. And it, it does. A, it's a it's a, it's an interesting and wonderful experience to go through it um, for several reasons. One is every founder or executive that tries this method should earn it. They should be a leader that is in service of their team, uh, not a leader that they expect their team to service them. And I'm a big believer in service-oriented leaders. Um, so when they begin interviewing you, they, they relax because they're not being interviewed anymore. And um, you know, usually the first couple questions are quirky and funny and like they don't know what to ask. Um, but after a while, they'll, they'll relax and they'll start asking you real questions. And the more they pull on that thread of realizing like, oh my God, I was able to ask that question. Maybe I'll ask more questions. Um, and you give them preparation on this before they come in, right? You let them know, hey, you're going to be interviewing me. No, um, we do not. Um, so uh, we know that they know that they're going to be talking to me first but they do not know that we're gonna do a reverse interview because what we don't want people to do is prepare fake answers or as so many people do nowadays is watch YouTube videos on how to nail your Facebook interview, how to nail your Google interview. And everybody just memorizes the process uh, to nail the process that Google and Facebook created. But when you do this, it tells you immediately whether the person did any research at all on your company. Because if you get a blank stare and they're just like, I actually don't know what your company does. That's an immediate, well, thank you for your time. You know, it's not a fit if you haven't done any research on our company um, and you move on. Um, but those, you will, you will be shocked when you see the quietest person will have done an immense amount of research on you 
and your company. And they had very good questions. And the, the more you let them know they're allowed to ask tough questions, the tougher the questions get. And that's when I know I got somebody worthy on the line that wants to join my bus. Because um, if you remember, the, the way I'm talking to this person in the first place is somebody who I know is a super A recommended them. So they've got the chops for the job. What I really want to know is, do they belong on my bus? And, um, and, and as you're going through this process, what we would do at the very end is say, hey, we wrote this uh, in defense of introverts essay that I wrote. One of the things is uh, radical transparency. And one of the things we do at the end of that interview is tell people, here's some questions that everyone should have the right to ask a startup that they are fearful of asking, such as how much money is in the bank of the startup? How much money did you raise? At what valuation? How's your, how's your cap table? Do you have enough options in your employee options pool to give to your employees? Do you pay at the 50th percentile or the 90th percentile? Can you prove that? Do you pay all level three engineers the same or do I have to negotiate with you? Um, and we walk them through all the questions. We know that they want to ask, but they don't know whether or not they have permission to ask. And we ask it for them for the last 15 minutes. See, I think this is a really powerful tool, especially if you're a newer entrepreneur and you really don't know what to ask. To be able to flip it around and have the other person interview you and you have to earn your job, that's attractive to a high performer. Yeah. And, and one of the benefits of going first and having me go first is you want Let's assume the person has technical chops. The most important thing that a COO or a CEO needs to do is to align their team with the mission, the vision, and the values of the company. But when I'm doing the reverse interview, what I'm really doing is mission, vision, and culture interview. I'm seeing if I want them on my bus. I don't want prima donnas. I, 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 I don't want... Um, you know, the bro club that exists in so many startups. I'm super passionate about creating positive, diverse cultures in companies where, where people are like-minded and they share the values of that diversity and the values of empowerment and the values of positivity. If someone is a brilliant engineer, but they're a jerk, I don't want them. And I don't want to waste my engineering team's time of having them interview that person because most engineers won't interview for culture they'll interview for technical chops. And so I would, I don't want to let anyone even interact with my engineering team until I already know that they belong on the bus. And it, it's, it's orthogonal to normal thinking, but um, I make it harder to get a job. I know everybody's saying it's, 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 you've got to make yourself accessible as a company. You've got to pay like high salaries. You've got to do all these things to attract people. I invert it. If I have a good foundation, I invert the whole process and I'm trying to say, hey, we don't hire most people to come in here. You need to be an A player and you need to be aligned with our values. And that's why I do the, the, the reverse interview first. It tells me all that I need to know. And it also gets you to the truth of who that person is. Yeah. Whereas a lot of times what ends up happening is we just do technical skill questions and we try to gauge whether or not somebody could do the job, but never pay attention to cultural fit. We're getting pretty close on time right now. What would be two or three key takeaways you can give the audience to get plug into their business today? Number one, uh, get your foundation laid, do the big things right, and the rest of your life will become easier in hiring. And if you're having trouble with hiring, go back to those foundational principles and get them right before hitting the gas pedal on hiring. Um, 
Number two, spend all your time getting those first people in your company to be the super A's. That's above all of the things that I try to accomplish. It's that. Make sure they're, they're super A types of people that are coming into the company. Make sure that they're aligned with you and your vision and, and your culture that you want to create. Um, and number three, be relentlessly creative. You know, do things to find people, to find those super A's in the beginning. We used to write little bots in IRC channels to see which engineers were said thank you to the most. And then we would go to those engineers because we knew that those were the most knowledgeable engineers in the IRC channel. That's one idea of a hundred that we would do to try to find these A's in the beginning. And take your time. Don't scale up before you hit product market fit. If it takes you six months or a year to get those first four super A's, that's fine. That is such great wisdom. Steve, thanks so much for sharing that with our audience. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, what would be the best way in which members of our audience could find you, follow you, what have you? Um, I'm at Steve Newcomb on Medium, and that's where I write all my essays. Um, And I'm at Steve Newcomb on Twitter. And that's where I believe I have... 22,000 followers in one tweet. So I don't tweet often on there, but I think I'm going to start <laughs> tweeting. <laughs> That's okay. I have like two followers in 10 tweets. So I'm happy with you. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much for your time investment today. And I also want to thank our listening audience for tuning in this week's episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team, Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. After all, this show's for you, and we welcome your feedback. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com, or you can drop me an email at rickandstridesearch.com. Tune in next Tuesday. Our guest is going to be Andy Paul. He's the founder of The Sales House. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to hiring success, Rick Gerard. Rick Gerard. Rick Gerard.